those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We are joined by four of the people who represent and fly the flag for the Ford flag, that is, that being Tickford Racing. And we're talking here to Tim Edwards, the CEO and team principal, Matty Roberts, the team manager, Chris Jewell, commercial manager, and Cam Waters, driver of number six. Welcome, gentlemen. Craig and I had thought about was the way in which teams operate. And we were thinking that we wonder what success feels like, tastes like, looks like, um, all those sort of things to the different components of a large team. And while you're a three car team this year, next year back to a four car as big as any other. Tim, we'll start with you. What do you feel that a successful race team looks like in 2021? Well, uh, um, you know, I'm not sure this year is any different to any other year. The reality is, you know, we're all racers in this industry. And you know, and we want success on track. Um, you know, you can you can focus on other things like um, profitability and all those sort of things. And yes, they've all got to tick along in the background. But ultimately, we all want to win on track. You know, that's that's why we're involved in this industry. That's why we've all chiro- chosen this career path. And so it's that that's what sort of feeds us all. And obviously, my idea of success is probably a bit different to Cam's. You know, I'm I'm looking at four cars and and wanting all four to be successful. Whereas Cam and Anyone sort of who's you know intimately involved in just one car, um, you know, probably have a slightly different view. But you know, we do we do win and lose as a team. So, um, and the bigger you get, the harder that becomes because you know, unfortunately, four people next year won't all be able to stand on the top step. So, three of them are going to be, and one's going to be happy. It does make it a bit of a challenge. But but for me, and I think most of the guys have reiterated, it's it's. it's Success on track is why we all do this, and the other bits of profitability and all those—you know—they underpin it. But um, we all feed off the off, off seeing our guys on the podium. Cam, you—that you might not have felt that's your answer. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, we're in a team, and you know the team has you know forty to sixty people, depending if we're running three or four cars, and and we're all you know working on on different cars and, and pushing for the same goal. So. I do agree with Tim. We're all wanting to be up there, but you know my my days are the best when I'm sitting on the on the top step. But saying that, if I'm on the top step, I want my teammates to be up there. So um, yeah, it's a hard one to to juggle, but uh, yeah, I'm always happiest when I'm winning. Maddie, as the person who stands in pit lane and sends the cars, tell us what does it actually taste like? And it's not just that champagne out of a, a rotten old boot, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, we can um, we can just only look back to the, our, our last round, Tony, because you know we stood on that top step at, at Townsville, and it it actually felt like a a real achievement, you know, real um, hard fought win at Townsville too. You know, that battle to watch um, Giz and, and Cam go at it for, 
you know, 20 or 30 laps was just intense. And the, the reward that the team gets, you know, when we cross that line um, and take that win, it's just it's such a great feeling, a sense of, a sense of achievement. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a battle really, you know, it was two, two juggernauts going at it and, um, you know, we come out on top, sometimes we don't. And, um, you know, those days you do, you do feel down and not, the, not so much you let, you know, yourself down or the team, but it's just that feeling you get and there's no other better feeling than the, you know, the sense of achievement you get from winning and um, just all the, the pure hard work that goes in during the weeks between, you know, these rounds, especially when we're coming up to, you know, multiple um, rounds in a row and, um, you know, the work that goes behind the scenes midweek is, um, it's a great reward for the, for the guys. And Chris, I know you're a racer um, going back to when you used to climb behind the wheel. Your idea of success may have a different version, a different slant on it to the other three. Yeah, back before electricity, that probably was Tony, to be honest, but um, the way I have held the wheel. Um, yeah, look, I think from a commercial perspective, in an era where there's so much competition across different sports, different advertising mediums, and obviously you know, competition within the category to maintain relationships with commercial partners, it's just galvanising those relationships in a way that, you can enjoy the success from a, a, a measurable perspective on track, but at the same time, you underpin the objectives that the sponsoring entity has in being involved in the first place. And ideally with a, a long and healthy relationship, um, you only have to look back to how long you know, Marlboro McLaren were involved and John Player Special Lotus and you know, Benson and Hedges with Jordan when Tim was there. Uh, you know, we're we're in our sixth year with Monster Energy Drinks and we want to be 16 years with them. So I think it's, it's really about addressing all of the non-racing objectives that winning creates a platform to accelerate from and ultimately to the point where you're harnessing the delight of the partner that, that that's accompanying you on the journey. And we're 100% reliant on commercial partners to maintain our existence on track. And the same thing goes for any new partners, of which we've been lucky enough to bring in four or five new major partners during the course of the last year and, and, and seeing the satisfaction they're getting, albeit somewhat truncated because of the, the current prevailing COVID restrictions, um, just ensuring that we've got, you know, a decade of existence with these people, which allows the business to be shored up in a way that we can spend money on the things to keep winning. Tim, just looking at the overall picture of a season, can winning happen without a trophy? No, oh, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's standing on the podium is what it's all about. I mean, uh, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but I think, you know, I think the year that Rick won the championship, he might have only won you know, won one race. Um, I don't know what's changed, but that's certainly not the case in our category anymore. You know, to win the championship, you've got to be winning, you know, on multiple occasions, not just just uh, not just one. You can't just accumulate, you know, fifth places anymore because there's people at the moment that'll accumulate first places and um and they'll they'll beat your hands down. So, you know, I think and you, the other thing is, you know, the the emotional connection with seeing your driver on the podium you know, spraying the champagne, chasing me down the pit lane, pouring bloody champagne down my back like that water's bloody bloke does. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you can't, you don't get that because you finished fourth. You know, that, that you only get that experience and that, you know, adrenaline rush and everything else that goes with it and uh, by standing on the podium and, and you know, and I imagine for Cam he only gets that adrenaline rush of burning the tyres off his car and uh, <laughs> when he wins the race. So... Yeah, you got to you got to get you got to get silverware. 
Cameron, I know one of the things that the three people you're on air with would say, and a good number of people around the country would feel, is it wasn't the fact that you won at Townsville. It was the fact that the bloke who was on your bumper, and that was a fantastic drive that you put in. And I imagine that for you especially, who who knows that heat of battle well, that must have been incredibly fulfilling for you. 100%. And there's all different types of winning and, uh, you know, you can luck in from safety cars or, you know, your competition run off the track and, and whatnot, or there's winning like we, we did it in Townsville where you, you know, add it every lap for the whole race and, um, you know, coming out on top of one of those battles mean a lot more than, um, than lucking into it. So you really earn those ones and, you know, they mean a little bit more, I think, to, to uh, you know, me and, and all the team when you, uh, you know, can bounce back and, and have a win like that. Matty, you are somebody who puts their hand and feet on the line in pit lane mm. um, and your body. It must have been, as you talked before about, especially rewarding that coming back from the previous weekend where you hadn't been on the pace. Uh, that's some, something that, that you have to work towards all before the season starts, doesn't it? You, it's not going to happen overnight. No. So much preparation goes in, you know, from... Basically, the, that month we, we finish racing right up through to the, you know, season commencing in, in February. There's a lot of off-season training, you know, pit crew training, driver training. Um, so there's, there's so many different facets that we've got to look at and make sure, you know, we hit every, every marker and we, we go into that first round, you know, 100% prepared because our competitors have been doing exactly the same thing. So, you know, we're always looking for that little bit of extra edge you know, what can we have over our competitors that they don't have? Um, and like you mentioned, Tone, in pit lane, you know, the guys win races in, in the lane as well as um, on track. And it does get tense, those those tyre races, the tyre change races. And, um, yeah, the, the guys certainly earn their stripes, um, you know, for, for achieving a, you know, a quick pit stop these days. So, yeah. Um, you know, can win and lose the, you know, a race, as you can see. Having been involved for so long in driver management and, you know, getting those guys uh, on the right path and now sitting inside a team again, it's very different to uh, being on the outside looking in is when you're in there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, Tim's always asking me what name I've got on the door and what hat I'm wearing, depending on whether we're talking about um, commercial-related matters for Tickford or whether we're negotiating Cam's future contracts. So it can be a bit of a juggle, but it's certainly not incestuous by existence. You couldn't do it and have a number of clients in other teams, that's for sure. So I guess it's in my best interest to ensure that Cam's in a competitive position and all of the things are in situ for him to take advantage of what Tickford can provide him with. And, and I stay on the payroll and it's a contracting agency. It's a one big happy family that way. But if we'd taken up an offer to go somewhere else, if in fact Cameron could have gone anywhere else or is, is due to ever go anywhere else, that might create a bit of angst. I can't imagine I'd be sitting at Tickford looking after Cam if he was driving for a competitor. Correct, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you'd be quite correct in that assumption. <laughs> Yeah, brothers in arms. Tony and I, when we were coming up with the idea of this show, I'm a Carlton Tragic, and we just saw the Carlton CEO being sacked where he's managed the team out of its, or the club out of its debt, brought in a whole bunch of new sponsorship and, and built up a whole level of other parts and aspects of the business, was told to stop getting involved in football matters, 
And then on the day when they're slamming the door on him, said that he was not getting, you know, the success on the field was also part of the reason for why he had to go. How does that sit in Tickford or a supercar team? And how well does everyone know where they can cross over? Well, I mean, ultimately, the, you know, the buck does stop with me. Um, but certainly my management style, or certainly what I think my management style is, is that, you know, I um, I don't have a dog and bark. You know, Maddie is employed to be the team manager and I allow Maddie to, to, to do his job, you know, as, as much as I allow Chris to do his job. Of course, I, I provide them input, but I don't, I'm certainly not a, a bully. Um, you know, I've obviously I've got 30 plus years experience, well, well over that in uh, in motorsport um, and obviously um, executive management. So, you know, I know a thing or two, but you know what? I also, I'm, I'm not, you know, me getting involved in any engineering decision, etc. that would just be a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think I, I know my limitations and so, you know, I, I delegate uh, to the to the people that you know we employed it to do a job. So, but uh, you know clearly, ultimately the buck, buck stops with me. So, if Maddie's not the right bloke to be the team manager, uh, you know, and uh, and leads us down the wrong path, you know, he, um, you know, ultimately I'm accountable for that because I I I put Maddie in that job. But as for doing the job, Maddie knows what he's got to do. He does a bloody good job at it, and uh, and as does Chris. So, you know, that's certainly my approach. So. We're, uh, I don't know anything about this Carlton CEO, but if he was getting involved in footy matters, well, that, I suppose, would be a bit like me telling the engineers how to set up the car, and I don't do that because I would be absolutely rubbish at it, even though I have an opinion. Um, um, you know, they're the smart blokes. They've been employed to do a job. So particularly Matt and Chris, where do you feel <laughs> that the level between your own independence of setting the goals and setting out how you're going to achieve them and say where Tim has to set that executive strategic goal starts and finishes. I think it it doesn't just come down to one one man or one person in an organisation, you know, such as whether it be Tickford or Carlton or anyone for that matter. Uh, we we sit as a group, as a collective, where we you know outline and define our goals and what we want to achieve, and yeah. We've got all our own, um, you know, markers or KPIs or whatever department you're from. We need to we need to individually hit and you know make sure we represent and and um, do the the best of our ability. But if you don't have the team around you to do that, you don't have sixty guys pulling in the same direction. You ain't going anywhere. And it's the same with a football club. So how they can pin that much responsibility and say it's one man's fault, oh, I'm going to disagree with it and say maybe the whole department needs to go and they need a complete refresh because it's not just one man, you know, holding the show. It's just like what Tim was saying, you know, he, with, in, myself in my position, Chris in his position, um, you know, Cam, you know, we entrust him to to go out and, and ultimately perform with what we give him as a collective group. So, you know, it's and that's why we're called a team because, you know, if we're not all driving to, to win and, um, you know, striving for those goals, ain't no one going to be bringing home any silverware. 
I think the other key is that the business is quite a, an open floored consultative business. Um, it's not an ivory tower type mentality as far as the management style that Tim and the board have with, with each of the line managers and, and our constituent employees beneath us. Um, but at any time, if, you know, if Tim's talking to our creative designer or our media man or any of our partnership managers, you know, the relationships are such that that chain of command, it's never frowned upon in any way by saying, well, you know, what are you doing talking to my staff? There's certainly no layers of protection there. And I think that the fact that it is a consultative pulling in one direction business that's buoyed by the thrill of holding the trophy and being part of a success it's it's easily embraced within the culture of the organisation, and and certainly from from that perspective, it does make it a a fairly relaxed management style. Be it you're accountable for a number of objectives that need to be fulfilled. Tim, just looking overall at the season, is there a point where you sit down to say, okay, we have the, the heads of this department meeting, sort of so to speak, and set these objectives, set your goals. Do you have it written down as a document as to, you know, this is what we've got to achieve this year, you know, three cars in the top 10 or whatever the things are that you set as your goals? Uh, we, don't, we don't have it written down, but we're all in each other's pockets. We all, you know, it's not like we're all working. Well, funny you should say that. I mean, I'm about to say it's not like we're all working all over the country. Well, at the moment we are. But <laughs> normally we're all like Chris's <laughs> office door is about 10 feet from my office door. You know, Maddie would be in and out of my office, you know, 20 times a day. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're together all the time. And whilst we haven't got it written down, we all know what we're trying to achieve. I mean, our goal is to have our cars in the top 10 of the championship. You know, invariably, if you're in the top 10 of the championship, you know, you're in the hunt. And and that's where you've got to be is in the hunt. Um, it's, um, you know, with that, you'll get top fives, you'll get podiums, you'll get race wins, you'll get championships. But uh yeah, so it's not it's not written on the wall like a mission statement, though. Just now looking at the season as it's about to recommence, we're looking at uh, double rounds at QR, then double rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park, and finally the uh, big one, a, a six-day Bathurst. Maddie, uh, that means you're going to be on the road for, you know, five or six weeks, no, more than five or six weeks, another long run away. Um, that must yeah. be fairly... Uh, daunting to be uh, setting up for that again just before maddie answers that tony that that is not confirmed that calendar so you're uh, you might be jumping ahead of some of the government decisions that are happening at the moment so gotcha understand and just and and just for clarity as well is we're just going to do queensland and coming home we're not staying away and and at this stage would it be a two-week quarantine uh, on that way yeah that's correct anyway i'll let you get back to talking to maddie but i just had to jump in there and uh and correct no, no, you on no, the fact that it's it. still a work in progress, the calendar. And, yes, that is a possible scenario, but it's not signed off yet. And so, but, yes, we uh, we will more than likely have to uh, spend some time in uh, in quarantine. Matty, um, yeah. the idea of uh, back on the road. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, Tones, we've been prepping for the last, you know, 10 to 12 weeks, um, knowing full well that whatever's coming our way is going to be multiple rounds, whether it's single, double, um, triples. Um, you know, the guys have been um, training in the gym. Um, pit crew has been, you know, practising pit stops. And um, alongside all of that, you know, we've been prepping um, the cars to whether it, it could be, um, you know, end of the season trip. So um, we'll we're sort of primed and ready to go with whatever's faced. And, um, you know, we're, 
we've come off the bat with, um, you know, a six. So at, t- at Townsville too. So we're going to keep that momentum going and, you know, all the guys and girls are, you know, we're keen to get back racing and put a show on for the fans. Cause ultimately, um, that's what we, um, that's what we're employed to do. So, you know, we'll, we'll go and have some fun along the way and, and, um, win some races and, um, more importantly, yeah, put in a good show and hopefully um, we can bring on that main trophy at, um, at Bathurst because that's the one we all want at the moment. That actually leads me into my question and I understand Bathurst is its own beast and it's got its own set of rewards. So mm. if we can move Bathurst away and we might go to Cam first, does each race have a different level of success to... A driver? Uh, yeah, 100%. Obviously, a race win at Winton is a lot different to a race win at, you know, Bathurst, which is the biggest race of the year. So, um, you know, there's a lot of prestige around Bathurst. It's the biggest race of the year for us. We all want to win it. And, um, yeah, it, it means a, a bloody lot. So, yeah, we're all excited to, you know, get back to Bathurst. It's going to be a, a massive way to finish the year. And, and you know, we come so close last year there. To, to winning it. It was um, it's a little bit bittersweet, to be honest. So we're going back there with redemption and we're going there to win it. Now, taking Bathurst out of it, Cam, if if we were to say a win at Sydney Motorsport Park, a win at Winton, a win at Townsville, are there differences there in your eyes? You have to take uh, yeah, Bathurst out. 100%. I understand that, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think so. Obviously, you got races throughout the year um, that you want to win probably more than, than others. It, it doesn't mean that you go to, you know, just saying QR and, and, and you don't really care about winning. You want to win every race that you go to. But if you look back at the end of the year and you, you rate all your performances, there'll be races which you probably think you earned a little bit more or, um, you know, they're a bit more prestigious. So you rate them a little bit higher. So I think at the time, at whatever race you're at, you don't treat it any differently. But at the end of the year, when you when you stand back, you'll probably rate them um, in your own way, and and um, some will stand out more than others. And Maddie, for you, <laughs> ignoring Bathurst, taking it out of the championship, which it was for a long while, the other races are there different things and different types of win in all those races, for your point of view and your engineering side. Oh, for sure, take take Townsville 1 and um, Townsville 2 is a classic example. You know, we got pretty much um, those races at Townsville 1 handed to us. Um, you know, we all come away with certainly our tails between our legs and that was a significant turning point for, for us as a team because, you know, it, it brought us back to earth. Yep. We, we got back together. We went straight back to the track on Monday morning and we got to work. and. And, you know, to come out at Townsville too with a completely different philosophy and, um, you know, revised cars, you know, seven, six days later, it was a massive achievement. And, you know, winning winning on that Sunday was, was just simply one of the best rewards we've had since, you know, being on the road last year. And, you know, different races, as Cam said, of different prestige, um, you know, it's it's... We we go out to win every race we can, but it's not all it's not always going to happen like that. So, um, you know, sense sense of achievement winning Townsville two was you know was super high, and and I'm I'm hoping we'll have that 
you know, same sort of level of um, enthusiasm at, um, you know, QR1 and QR2 and it'll be no different. Our attitude going to those two races is, is you know, racing um, Sydney Motorsport Park 1 and 2. Um, you know, our, our, our leather level of um, uh, preparation won't change between those two and, you know, maximum effort for, for all and, you know, to like Cam said, to top it off at Bathurst, that that is the absolute ultimate prestige. Um, and you know, if you do get on that top step, nothing's going to take that moment away from you. You know, at six o'clock on Sunday afternoon after Bathurst, Chris, in the commercial world, knowing where sponsors' headquarters are and where different partners are throughout the country, does winning in a sponsor's backyard? Is that worth two to a commercial manager than winning uh, in Winton or Perth? Potentially. Um, I think the key really, despite the fact the history books show any win is a win as, as far as a tally against driver and team, uh, some of the marquee events uh, are very important to what we do uh, and it's measurable. And obviously free-to-air rounds have greater reach and resonance uh, across the population uh, and, and more often than not make the nightly news if, uh, if it's an exciting contest. Uh, even from Cam's perspective on social media, if Cam has a tail and bend win and you look at the number of new likes and people who engage with him on social media compared to winning a free-to-air event, it's about one-fifth. So from a commercial perspective, I think it's probably more important that you are, if you could choose to be, successful at the marquee events that are on free-to-air television. But second to that, obviously, if you have sponsor presence, something we've had precious little of over the last 18 months, uh, at an event whereby they have the corporate suite of 40 people and any one of your drivers is finishing uh, in position one and they're enjoying the podium, then clearly from an experiential perspective, it has a massive impact on their uh, on the reasons they've got guests at the races. So, yeah, it, it certainly can make a difference. Perfect world scenario, free-to-wear event, Bathurst, corporate box is full and we win. Tim, finally, at the, at the head, can you look at the rest of the championship and go, you know, strategically, if we can get that one, it lets all these other things fall into place? Well, absolutely. You you win Bathurst, and you could you could have finished twentieth at any other race for the season, and you win Bathurst, and winning that masks a thousand sins. But interestingly, for the second year in a row, it's actually going to be the last race in our championship. And I think you know, I, I think I mentioned it prior to last year's race as well. Is that you know potentially the championship's done and dusted um, by the time you get there. So whereas if there's still three or four rounds to go. You know, do you go there with a slightly different mindset that you know you can't just win it or bust? Whereas, you know, if you've if you're out of the title hunt going in this year as you were last year, you know, it's a fair income. It's 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 win it or bust because you've actually got nothing to lose. Who cares if you give, if you give away fourth or third in the championship over because you're trying to win the race? You know, whereas you do have a different mindset when you got three or four rounds to go because it could impact your your, your championship result. So. Yeah, you know, in some ways it might have worked out well for us again that, that Bathurst is going to be the climax. What I'm trying to get at, Tim, is could you strategically look at a few races and go, well, actually, I know, and this could even be for Bathurst at the end of the year, I know we've got to be good here. It might be troublesome for Townsville, but it means we'll be right at Bathurst or it'll set something up for us later. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you certainly there's some there's some circuits that have similarities. So I suppose if you're competitive at those circuits, um, you know, it might put you in good shape for Bathurst. But the reality is, Bathurst is Bathurst. It is so un, 
so unusual. You know, most rounds these days were running on soft or super soft tyres, their sprint formats. You know, it's hard to draw much of a correlation between much else in the championship. So, yeah, of course, um, you know, they all count. But ultimately, it's you know it, it's borderline standalone event anyway. It's just it's, it's its own beast. It's a very different season, and yet again, we're looking at something that is uh, quite different. In that, we're going to have a bookend of the season at Bathurst. Chris, your view of uh, a six or seven day uh, weekend at the mountain? Well, I think regardless of how long the actual event takes place for, I can't expect it's going to make a massive amount of difference to the on track time that we'll be participating in. Um, I think it's, you know, it's great for motorsport in Australia to finish with, you know, such a, an event with, with with so many riches. I think, you know, upwards of you know nine or 10 different categories are going to be competing during the course of that six-day period. But I think fundamentally it, it won't really change our life significantly. At least I expect it won't. Um, I can't imagine we're going to be doing practice sessions on Tuesday and Wednesday. So um, fundamentally, I don't think it's going to be making a hell of a lot of difference. It just means a lot more time for those who are actually going to be present uh, and preparing. And that might be a good thing as well, depending on what may well have happened in the races preceding that event. You just don't know what's around the corner uh, from a perspective of repairs and getting getting ready for the biggest event of the year. Tony, I can confirm that the supercars yeah. um, weekend is unchanged. So we won't be on track until Thursday when we normally are. Matty, obviously having more people and more times at the the track would make a difference in terms of being prepared for it. Yeah, absolutely, Tone. Um, I mean, it'll be pretty much the same as years gone past. We typically, you know, we um, we get there on a Tuesday anyway and, and we usually spend all week setting up and, you know, it comes around pretty quick on track Thursday, first practice at, you know, 9am Thursday morning. Um, it all happens pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, this year, we, you know, we might get there maybe a day a day or two earlier, it won't be a significant change. Um, but yeah, the more the more prep time you have at the track, um, you know, it puts you in a you know a good position for for a, for a good weekend. Um, obviously, preparation is the key around um, Bathurst, as we know. You you want to have all your your you know your eyes dotted and your t's crossed for for around there. Thank you very much for joining us today on the show, Cam. How are you going to win Bathurst? Uh, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to qualify on pole. I'm going to be the fastest car. Team are going to give me good pit stops. We're going to lead the whole race. Well, Cam, there's no better place to finish than that's there. That's it for another edition of Inside Supercars. It was wonderful to hear from the people from Tickford Racing, Tim Edwards, CEO and team principal, Matty Roberts, team manager, Chris Jewell, virtual manager, and a man who's taken the top step several times this year, and hopefully he will do so again. Cam Waters, the driver of the Monster Energy number six car. Thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio, any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.